0: If you fancy growing your own food this winter, but don't have a garden, this week's sponsor has the perfect answer. The iHarvest Indoor Garden is beautiful enough to display in Pride of Place in your home, and takes up just two and a half square metres of floor space, so it's compact enough for even the teeniest of apartments and condos. And it's great for the environment too, using 90% less water than traditional gardening and 60% fewer fertilisers than supermarket fruits and veggies. And the iHarvest comes with lights and everything else you need. Just add water and nutrients to watch your farm fresh vegetables grow. Add homegrown greenery and fresh fruit to your diet this winter by pre-ordering the iHarvest now at igworks.com. Grow more with iHarvest. The Ledge podcast is here again. It's episode 111. This is the show where calling somebody a plant nerd is a massive compliment and that can only be a good thing. This week's show, a live recording from Cactus World Live with plant hunter Tom Hart Dyke and houseplant expert Anne Swithinbank of Gardener's Question Time fame. Plus, I answer a question about Cerapegia seed pods. That's the string of hearts and blimey, are they some impressive seed pods? Thanks for all the lovely comments about the two Peperomia episodes. You seem to have really enjoyed those. And if you haven't checked out my Instagram, please do for a couple of videos showing the Peperomia technique for propagation that I've been talking about in the show. It might be useful to have a look at if you can't quite visualize what I'm talking about. And if you haven't joined the houseplant fans of On The Ledge Facebook group, please do. It's a lovely, warm, friendly community. No drama, no annoying, spammy people, but more than a thousand members who are all sharing the houseplant love on there. Asking for advice, commiserating when things go wrong and generally being awesome plant people. There are many awful things on Facebook, but this is one wonderful planty area. So even if you're not a fan of Facebook, do go and take a look at that. But if you're more of a Twitter person, join me at 9pm British Summer Time on Tuesday, October the 8th. That's next Tuesday for Houseplant Hour. Just follow me at Jane Perrone on Twitter or follow at Houseplant Hour. And join us while we shoot the breeze about houseplants for an hour. What could be better? Before we get started on the live recording I thought I'd bring you a Q&A for this week which comes from Sarah who wants to know about the string of hearts and its seed pods. When we're talking about string of hearts in this case we're referring to Serapedia linearis subspecies woodyi also known as hearts on a string, rosary vine, or hearts entangled and i particularly like that common name because as anyone who has one of these plants know trying to untangle them can take quite some time and i have on occasion just snipped off some in desperation once they've got in a terrible knot. So this is a lovely plant. It's really gorgeous and it is a succulent because it grows from this tuberous base, uh, which, I mean, if you actually unpot one of these things when it's really got going, you might find actually quite a big handful of these tubers growing in a pot. And to top that, they have these amazing flowers, which, well, they do look a little bit rude if you look at them in a certain way, Um, but the flowers are amazing mainly because they can trap pollinators tiny flies that pollinate the plants until the flowers have been pollinated and then they let the flies go. They're not carnivorous as such. And if that's successful, you may find that your plant ends up with some crazy looking seed pods, which is what's happened to Sarah. She tells me that her plant's been happily growing and flowering all summer and she's noticed that it's producing seed pods. Now, Sarah, you and I know that it's actually quite a dramatic moment when you notice the seed pods of Cerapegia because... They are, well, they're huge and slightly bizarre looking. They are long and thin and poke out at sort of, in a V shape Um, and they're probably about two or three inches, but I don't know, about five to 10 centimeters long. They are massive compared to the flowers or the plant. Uh, And Sarah wants to collect the seed for planting and she wants some advice on how to harvest the seed. And then of course, when to sow it and whether she needs to dry and store the seed before planting. So this is a really great question. Uh, There's not a lot of information out there about this subject. I've garnered what I can from my own personal experience and uh, from various BCSS forums and other places. So if anyone knows better than me, then please pipe up. But for the moment, Sarah, here's my advice. Those seed pods, what I would do, if the seed pod is green, that means it's probably not ripe yet, but whatever stage it's at, I would stick a little plastic baggie over it just so that when it does pop open, you won't lose any seeds because each individual seed does have a little parachute attached to it. I'll put a link in the show notes to the page on the Pacific Bulb Society where you can see a picture of the seeds. Uh, So yeah, to avoid losing those seeds, I would pop a bag over it I would warn you that I have read varying reports saying that actually you don't get an awful lot of seed from the seed pods but it's definitely worth a try and it's a great experiment so stick the bag over once the seed dries out and turns brown and pops open then these seeds will emerge and you can carefully remove the seed pod from the plant and I would sow the seed fresh straight away Uh, The reason being that generally that is the most successful method the seed dried out is going to take longer to germinate. So go ahead and sow the seed and I would follow the method that you'd use pretty much for most cacti and succulents. Get a sterile fine seed sowing mix, maybe add in a bit of horticultural sand or perlite just to make it extra free draining. Then sow your seed on the surface of the damp seed mix and top with a little bit of damp vermiculite and stick that in a heated propagator, ideally, or if not in a very sunny spot with a clear plastic bag over the top and wait for germination. If you're wondering why we aren't all sowing Cerapegia seeds, I guess the reason might be that it's very, very easy to propagate in a a number of other ways that generally will produce plants more quickly. It's easy enough just to take a section of stem, put it in a glass of water, and it will root reasonably quickly. You can also take a length of stem, loop it back over the top of the pot, and use an unfurled paper clip just to peg it down onto the potting mix and it should root that way. If you find that you have little tiny tubers that emerge on the stems, you can snip those off, push them gently into some potting mix and you'll find that that will produce a new plant that way. So there's lots of options with Cerapedia, and sowing seed definitely isn't the quickest route. However, you may find that you, your seedlings are variable in terms of the leaf size and shape and the habit of the plant. So you may end up with an interesting new plant that's different from the parent plant by using the seeds and sowing those. So it's a really interesting experiment. Given that we're moving into the autumn period here in the UK and possibly where you are Sarah you may want to get a grow light if you can onto that pot where your seeds are germinating just to give the seedlings a really good start otherwise as I say your very very sunniest window is probably the best place to start and if you have a question for on the ledge drop me a line to on the ledge podcast at gmail.com Regular listeners will know that I love cacti and succulents and I'm very happy to say that I'm now an ambassador for the British Cactus and Succulent Society and so it was a real pleasure to go along to their inaugural Cactus World live event at Lullingstone Castle in Kent. I know I've been banging on about this in the podcast over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Let me set the scene for you. You really feel like you are in a rural area when you get to Ainsford, which is the village in which Lullingstone Castle is set. There's a beautiful little bridge over a ford and fields full of highland cows weirdly and horses and uh, it's just a lovely setting and then you drive up to Lullingstone Castle and you're presented with this incredible gatehouse which was built in the late 16th century well, and that really does look like a castle the actual manor house itself it's, it's more a uh, giant country house than, than castle but it is a beautiful setting and this is the home of Tom Hart Dyke who is a patron of the BCSS and a most wonderful person. He is a modern-day plant hunter, and you may have heard his story at some point because he was kidnapped by FARC guerrillas while he was in Colombia plant hunting when he was uh, a younger man. And during that time, which was a very stressful few months held in captivity, uh, he came up with the scheme for the world garden at his home in Lullingstone Castle. And lo and behold, you can go to the castle today and see how it turned out because he actually made that daydream while he was being held against his will uh, into a reality. And it's arranged like a a map of the world with the plants grouped according to the region of the world that they're from. And of course, that means there are lots of the plants that we love uh, from orchids and cacti and succulents to begonias, forest cacti and so much more. So if you ever get the chance to go to Lullingstone Castle, please do take it because it's a wonderful place. So turning up at Lullingstone Castle going through the gatehouse on a gorgeously sunny morning a couple of weekends ago and laid out before me were two marquees where Cactus World Live was taking place. And even though I arrived just after the doors opened, the place was absolutely buzzing. I hadn't realised that the really serious cactus enthusiasts, they bring along their own plastic trag or plastic tray to put their plants in as they purchase them. So I felt like a bit of an amateur to be quite honest. Uh, But Plant sales were very brisk. But the great thing about this particular event was that there was loads to do for families as well. So Chairman Ian Thwaites has really thought about how to attract younger people to the society. So there was face painting. There was a wonderful uh, cactus based um coconut shy type thing we had to knock over models of cacti in order to win cacti which was absolutely brilliant uh, and and I was delighted to be able to record a live event there and interview both Tom and another patron of the BCSS Anne Swithenbank. Anne is a regular on the wonderful institution that is Gardener's Question Time the BBC Radio 4 program that's run for many many years Anne has has many books to her name and is a wonderful gardening expert and one of my heroes. So I was a little bit starstruck to meet her and Tom. Now I should say that this was recorded in a very busy, very noisy marquee. So I hope you can bear with the sound. I've done as much as possible with the help of my sound person, Lisa Hack thank you Lisa, to make the sound as good as it could possibly be but there is lots of background noise so I do hope that you can concentrate on the voices of myself, Tom and Anne and the background isn't too distracting but as I say this was the first year they'd run the event so we weren't exactly sure how things were going to work out and I think in future I'd ask to be in a slightly quieter part of the uh, festival but it was fantastic to be at the heart of the action as well. So I really hope you enjoy listening to this and you can hear the excitement in my voice yes i get very excited about cacti and succulents so do have a listen and if you're inspired to think about joining the bcss check out the show notes at the end to find out how and i have to admit my knees have gone a little bit wobbly it's good job i'm sitting down because i'm truly in the company of gardening royalty here and is one of britain's best known horticulturists garden gardening broadcasters and writers she's a member of the gardener's question time panel for bbc radio 4 and she's worked at RHS Wisley, and she's written many books, many of which I have, including The Greenhouse Gardener, The Conservatory Gardener, and No Time to Garden, The Half Hour Gardener, which is kind of my style, I have to say. And Tom, what can I say about Tom? He's a horticulturist, author, plant hunter, and his family seat is right here at Lollington Castle, and he's a designer of the World Garden of Plants. And I haven't had a chance to look round yet, and in fact, Tom, just to warn you, when you lock the gates tonight... Just check that I've gone because otherwise I might be bedding down with some of those eight thousand plant species. So, uh, what are we going to do today? Well, I wanted to start with a little quiz, just to test the audience and my my lovely guests' knowledge. And one of the things I love about cacti succulents is the names. The common names are crazy, but also the Latin names are fun too. So we're just going to start off with a little test. I'm gonna start easy and we're gonna get harder, and I'm gonna just show these, uh, maybe I'm gonna show these to the audience first and see if anyone wants to have a go at some of these names. So if you if you think you can pronounce this, shout it out, please. Come on! Oh, Tom, come on we'll okay, Tom, would you agree with that? Is that correct?
1: Absolutely.
0: And any other Molichiai. <laughs> Molichiai, there's Molichi, a... yes, think, okay, yeah. okay, Wallet-chi-i. let's go for another one. Okay, this is a good This is a good one.
2: Anyone?
0: Anyone, come on, front row. Oh no, Tribleri, okay, from the right there. And any advances on that? Valmofilum oh. Triblerai. Excellent. Oh. That's perfect.
1: Yeah, Is that 100? Good? Lovely. Yeah, yeah 100%. Okay. okay. Okay,
0: <laughs> It's getting hard. it's getting harder now. It's getting harder now. Brace yourselves. I think Colin Walker, the president of the BCSS, should say this one. All by himself, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> Weather
1: baroceros horridus spinus.
0: Excellent! And that, my friend, is why Colin is the president of BCSS. Well done, Colin. Okay, let's have a look here. Uh, have we got anyone else who wants to have a go at this one? <laughs> Come on. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I, I don't even know what. Happened. I like the last bit. Bucks Baumianus. That's amazing. Okay, and the last one. Oh no, that's, that's another piece of paper. That was the last one. Well, thank you all so much. Have you got any favourite Latin names, Tom, that really make your heart sing when you see uh, that really long alphabet soup? I think there are so many. I think it's
1: when they change, Jane, as well. But the cacti and succulents, certainly, there's such a range. I mean, even quite shorter names, Echinocactus frusonii, and all these different And they're often so descriptive to names as well when you break them down. They're just absolutely brilliant. cactus struthi. I mean, you can say it with such passion and enthusiasm, which all the growers do. I, I just absolutely love it. Well, witchy, and mirabilis.
0: I wish you could see this uh, people at home but Tom's getting very excited now and do you ever get caught up tripped up when you're doing gardener's question time and somebody you know comes up with a
2: plant and you've got to remember the latin name it's a oh, lot totally. of pressure it's more a question of just remembering something I've forgotten you know sort of old lady syndrome really but it usually comes back eventually quite often I have to say remember, remember to the chairman I'll get it back
0: and talking about uh ladies one of the terms that's very prevalent on social media when we're talking about houseplants these days is the crazy plant lady and do you do you like that title or do, do you embrace it or do you feel a little a little bit strange
2: about it oh i've never heard anyone call me crazy plant lady they try to call me um houseplant expert which is worse i'd rather be crazy houseplant lady i think wouldn't you
0: yeah yeah i think so I think so uh, Tom I think you're called, you're known as the plant nuts. all
1: sorts Jane yeah <laughs> absolutely
0: I mean you are wearing you were wearing a sombrero really. you were you uh, the, the poncho the poncho is yeah it does give you a slight it air of nuttiness.
1: Bit. But it's that enthusiasm and passion that everyone in this marquee, everyone at Ludlington today, has got for the world of plants that just shines through. It's just such a leveler of everything, and it's just so wonderful. And especially when you're interested in this particular range of plant that's so diverse. Oh, it's, it's just brilliant. So, yeah, I get called all sorts.
0: And what is it about cacti succulents that think that, that produces such... Well, can I call it mania in some people? Why, why are we so fascinated by these plants? Sheer
1: diversity. It's the sheer, in my, in my view here, with the small collection but relative to a lot of the growers here today that we've got at Lullingston. I mean, it's that sheer diversity um, from Mexico through to South Africa through to Asia. You know, succulents and cacti grow absolutely everywhere, excluding Antarctica. And there are just such a huge range. But what people don't realise is that almost all of them come from the Americas and the Caribbean and the islands either side to Galapagos. There's a couple of disputed cases, perhaps there's a Ripsalis from from Madagascar, but otherwise there are no cacti from Africa. There are usually euphorbias which look like cacti with that milky sap they produce, these candelabra uh, structures up to 40, 45 foot tall, Jane, and being in the... The privilege of going to some of these places and seeing them in the wild uh, was always going to have an interest. They're so aristocratic, they're so imposing, but it is that diversity. The range from something that's almost subterranean for most of its life, 15,000 feet in the Andes of Peru, it flowers just about above ground level, to things that are 40, 50 foot tall and over a thousand years of age. And the colors, but calm down.
0: It's okay. You the colours of the flowers.
1: <laughs> I mean, would you expect them to be brighter orange than this microphone top? I mean, the fluorescent pinks, the iridescent greens, and they're the massive flowers that cover the whole body of the the cactus when they're out. It's it's a superb family to be enjoyed.
0: And tell me a bit about your own plant collection do uh, like me I imagine it's a constant temptation to buy more plants but do you have any plants that you've had for a really long time that are really precious to you
2: I do but I mean just looking around here at the sheer variation of plants on sale to the side of this the table three long trestles absolutely full of plants that you can buy and my eye keeps sliding across. Oh, no it's terrible and the amount of Variety that can actually be called a succulent is quite amazing, isn't it? I can see Tradescanthia Montana and you think, yeah, that's not what you think of as a succulent, but it is succulent. And an amazing climbery thing with bright sort of orange-red flowers there, which looks as if it could be a tweedia or something like that. And I'm desperate to get over there and investigate. But you did (laughs) ask me about my own collection. They might be in it soon. (laughs) Um, I have got plants that go back um, to when I was a child, really, and some of them haven't grown as much as you would think they should have done because I haven't potted them on as much as I should. And that's, I think, the problem with literally growing on the ledge. There is... A limit to how much space these things can take up in a house but they still look pretty good even though they're smaller you know things like a kind of cactus Drusonii. no a plant that i've had for say 30 years is still only about oh, i'm making a shape with my hands here it's a it's about eight inches across it should be massive shouldn't it if it was planted out somewhere um but by the same token um i've got such an eclectic collection they're all over the place some are outdoors i've still got kalanchoe thirsty flora outside that's the paddle plant that will have to come in very soon doesn't like the cold so yeah loads of them
0: (laughs) we are at that dangerous time of year when those of us who do have cacti and succulents outside are getting very scared and very concerned that our family are going to start noticing quite how many plants we have that need to come inside. Yes. And I haven't even mentioned <laughs> South African bulbs because that's another. Oh passion. right, okay, <laughs> yeah. Because they've all got to come in the porch as well. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big job at this time of year. Unless you happen to be Tom, yeah. and of course mm-hmm. you have this amazing. Are there any plants that you still are you looking around here thinking? Oh, I want one of those. Are there still plants you want to get hold of?
1: Jane, there's one reason why I haven't been in the marquee until now today, because that should answer it. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. There's always something. And everyone says, oh, I've got no space. You make space. Don't, always do. You always <laughs> make <laughs> space you do. for
2: it. You can get bowls and shove several in succulents you in one can. bowl. Yeah. Absolutely. There's but, even a tombola. Have you seen the tombola? I'm, I must go and have a go on that. You can win succulents on the tombola. Okay. That's, a, that's the best funny. prize of all, isn't it? Mm. How could you top that?
1: That's but, brilliant. But Jane, what Anne was saying its interesting about things in containers, what we've been so lucky. Kit Lullingston is with a bit of space in quite a large polytunnel we've got here. Is they're undercover? Yes, but they're in the ground. And as Anne was alluding to the minute they're in the ground, it changes the perception of a cactus succulent and their allies. It The growth rate is absolutely incessant. I mean, we've got a euphorbia putting on big candelabra euphorbia putting on five and a half foot a year and it was from seed just 9-10 years ago and it's pushing up the plastic now, 16 foot of it so we cut a metre off a year with a very sharp blade the it's not what you packs imagine when you see them in the pot, you know you can feed them and yes you can pot up to a degree but how heavy do the pots get? Lugging these <laughs> yes. things around, It honestly when they're in the ground if you can do it incredible.
0: What, what's your tip for repotting because I've heard all everything every possible sort of Heath Robinson technique for repotting a spiny cactus or an apuntia with those little tiny spines that like to stick in your fingers, Uh, what is your tried and tested, gold standard, will not get a spike in my hand Method for repotting don't or do moving. It. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, don't <laughs> okay, do it. No, that's honestly, good. the scars. I mean, look at that one. That went right oh. in yesterday. That's a fantastic scar there. Anyway, no, what I do, thick pair of gloves, leather if possible, because the glock is the small little fine hairs. They're so deceiving and that you don't feel they go in and three or four days later you've still got them. To avoid that, thick gloves. But with most counter, if you can lift it, it's not too heavy. Being very careful, it probably won't go down very well. Turn the whole thing upside down. Making sure you've got a bit of the pot and a bit of the compost to grip on. Force the thing out. Put a bit of bubble wrap on the floor in case you drop it. If you try, Jane, depending what variety it is, try and grab it at the top. They're also, they may be aggressive and spiny, but they're so vulnerable. They're quite often easy to break and snap. If you drop it, you will almost just a, like a watermelon explode on the floor. So I just turn it upside down and just force it out of the pot. And then you've got hold of oh, the, the root ball with a bit of compost you might tease off and repot it into something slightly larger and just don't drop it. Well, we've
0: all all been there. I mean, I did actually have put on my Instagram a while ago my beautiful string of pearls, which I managed to knock off a very high shelf, smashed all over the floor. It's fine, it's fine, but it is a traumatic moment when it all lands on the floor, particularly as most of mine are in terracotta pots. It's the noise. Uh, It's (laughs) horrible. Uh, Also, there's, I mean, controversy such as there is within the BCSS seems to mainly extend to pots, terracotta or plastic, and also top dressing, this is a very controversial issue. top what do you top do you top dress and what do you top dress with? Can I have your both of your you know chapter and verse? what would you do? What do you like to see your cactine succulent planted in, and do you top dress them with any grit or anything?
2: Oh, so you want compost as well? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Give me the whole the whole <laughs> process.
2: I usually use uh, John Innes number two, mixed equally with a soil compost to give a little bit of body to it, and then I'll add about sort of half a gain of really good grits or more, depending on the cactus or succulent. And uh, then when I potted it, and I'll sometimes use the potter's template method which is another good one so having extracted the plant from its pot you then pop the pot and then you slide carefully the cactus in because otherwise you often can't get your fingers underneath the body of it sure. with the spines um, and then I'll top with either a good potting grit and finding good potting grit is really difficult the right size and grittiness because quite often you go and it's too small a size and you're faced with a choice between something that's like a too small grit and a great whacking great shingly grit and you want something in between so I'll either use the sharp grit or a small shingle whichever looks best And then, of course, if I'm doing an arrangement in a bowl with several, or I've got lithops, this pebble cacti, I'll often find some stones that are compatible and such that make a little little
0: stone
1: formation, rock formation to go with them. That sounds yeah. lovely. Tom, any, any anything to add to that? Jane, similar to, to Anne with the, the the containers, similar thing, a bit of perlite occasionally. The, the grade, yes, as small as possible with some of the stones, especially some of the cacti, they get so unstable in the pot sometimes So when they really root into a smaller mixture that's free draining, great. However, as I've said, most of the ones that we've got, we're so lucky to have them planted out and all we've used is builder's ballast with grit and sand in it, mixed in a cement mixer, 18 and a half tons of it, with no cement, obviously, uh, with a three to one mix of a certain type of multi-purpose compost and use that as the base. And they are in the ground, so that wouldn't suit a lot of parts. It's quite alkaline, the sand builds, quite alkaline usually. But in the, in the ground, you've got so much more margin for error of things like salt build up on the roots if it's in a container and then some cacti don't like that. We don't use any rain water for the cacti. It's just, it's liquid chalk uh, from great granddad's aquifer, chalk aquifer he's got at the back he put in and it's 12 or so on the pH. It's, it's just so hard, to tap water. But they look all right. You get a bit of calcium deposits on the sides of the stems. But as they're in the ground, I think I'm getting away with a lot more in containers. I do use rainwater for the containers that we've got because they would struggle, I think, long term. Well,
2: how long do you leave your newly potted cacti before you water them in? Because that's another issue, isn't it? It is, Anne.
1: It its anne straight away do you I do
2: I, I, I usually leave mine a few days so any broken bits can sort of heal up and out. that's what it. I
1: do Anne. Yeah, that's, exa- that's exactly what I do <laughs>
2: I think I was yeah, taught that <laughs> by someone in the British Cactus and Succulents therefore society. everyone's looking at me
1: here that's exactly what I do
0: but I think that's the amazing thing is that lots of people have their own tried and tested techniques for things and if it works for you and your plants are healthy and happy then It's working for your conditions and your setup, so don't feel like you have to adapt to somebody else's ways. I'm interested about the idea of having cacti and succulents, uh, some cacti and succulents, as outdoor, growing outdoors in a bed. Can you give us a few tips on what kind of things can survive outside in the British climate?
1: It's surprising, Jane. I would have to say here, it may not feel like it today, at 27 degrees or something amazing, we're in quite a cold dip here. It's a small valley, but that cold air sinks. And in the walled area over there where the garden is, it doubles the cold. The wall keeps the cold, magnifies it. So we've got a big Mexican section (coughs) outside with lots of cacti, especially prickly pears and lots of succulents. So lots of agaves, adazinirions and so on. The nolinas are doing well. We cover the whole lot, 55 foot long, 23 foot wide and 11 foot tall with a temporary tunnel in the winter. So I, in, in in my view, to actually answer your, your question, every type, some will disagree here, a lot will from reading the, the journal, a lot will that basically, without a layer of plastic, or if you're doing it small scale, bit of glass raised up on bricks to cover them in the winter at Lullingston, almost every winter except last winter, they'd be either dead or damaged enough to look rubbish in spring, because they take a while perhaps to recover. But with that, that quite a big structure, every year put up with concrete foundations in the ground. I know this isn't practical for everybody. (laughs) Obviously, it's a lot of work, but there's hardly any damage. Now the agaves are frozen solid in the winter. You see the icicles pouring out of the leaves. The pretty pears are frozen solid. There's hardly any difference in temperature underneath that polytunnel. It's not heated than outside, but they're dry. At the root, the crown. They can be frozen for three or four weeks, like in 2010, 11 winter, unmarked, unmarked. And a lot of them coming from, try and choose one that come from cold areas
0: fascinating to hear I mean I think it's a great idea to experiment and that's exactly, what exactly and again it might work. and the dryness is the key uh, my, my agaves are in an unheated greenhouse and just, just totally dry and they seem to be fine as well and I really don't know what I'm doing with agaves so they must be easy Um, and I hate to bring up the subject of pests but this is one of the questions I get a lot on on the Ledge podcast about uh, What's this strange fluff on my cactus? Um, what happens when a mealybug makes itself known in your in your collection? What what aside from, you know, scorching it all with fire, what what is the
2: ultimate mealybug solution? Is there one? Yes, there is. Uh, two things have happened. Uh, so one once a mealybug infestation took hold to such an extent that I actually threw all the plants away and started again. And I, what I'd done wrong was I didn't quarantine a plant that I brought in. It was downstairs and my stapeliads were upstairs and it was a no-liner. And I didn't realise in a ponytail palm... I didn't realise that it had mealybug on its fleshy roots just under the surface of the compost. And it must have travelled up in the air currents, got on them all. I was busy and I just thought, I can't have this spreading any further, I'll get rid of them and start again. But um, elsewhere in the establishment, on a, le- a lesser scale, I had a hoya. Well, I still have it. Beautiful, variegated hoya, And uh, I-, I really love hoyas. That started mealybug almost as soon as I bought it. And I controlled it by squirting it with S.B. plant invigorator. And so I do it one day to really get through the sort of, sort of waxy coating of the bug, and then the next day to, to kill it off more, and then a week later, and then eventually it went. It tried to come back a couple of times, but I, I zapped it again and off it went. So, and that's a fairly non-toxic pesticide to use. I think, so that's what I did. I think once you start spending your any excess
0: money you've got on SB Plant Invigorator, you know you've truly made it as somebody who collects plants because <laughs> this seems to be the thing that lots of people are buying uh, to deal with pests. Uh, Tom, any, any other mealybug suggestions? Yeah, well, we've got quite a bit of mealybug, and you're
1: absolutely right. You've really got to watch the plants from wherever it is. Garden Ooh. centers, yeah, yeah. Just, just one or two with a mealybug. All we use, this is going to sound a bit old. garden hose. Now, they haven't got wings, so they really get stressed out, you soaking them. And I know this, I mean, soaking, but with the hose, Jane, making them physically leave. What really is tricky, I find, is, especially with things like prickly pears, when the flowers are finished, I can't see any around. You take the old flower head off to reveal this indented cup full of these mealybugs. You've just got us. I was doing it yesterday because of today with minor mealybug infestations at Lullingson. Minor we've got. I was doing it yesterday just to make sure none for people to see today and I was getting the garden hose and squirting them off. Of course they'll get their feet and come back up but they get really stressed out and that's all I've done over the years. I mean, perhaps not... So- a, a spray the or spray mate work, but a garden hose, black fly on dahlias, squirt, that they very rarely will come back that same daily. They get all exhausted and they can't be bothered to climb up the plant again.
0: That is the stuff of nightmares, uh, uh, a puntier filled with me... I, mean, I, I, I am actually going night- to have a nightmare I am mm. going to have a nightmare about that as well. That sounds absolutely horrific. Uh, uh, I think mealybug are even worse. Yes. They're oh. even worse oh. than the top mealybug. I yes. Think- <laughs> yeah, we're we getting we're getting we're getting, a, we're getting a, a nice level of Mealybug hate here, mm. which I'm I'm enjoying. Uh, any other pests that cacti sucklings other than Mealybug Are there any other pests that you have problems with? Any sort of bigger animals here? Do you get rabbits or any you know deer or anything coming in and having a no, nibble?
1: No, I tell you the worst that beats Mealybug Unbelievable when you see in the morning just a pile of spines from your favourite Apuntia faircantha from Apache Chale, Arizona. Mollusks destroy pretty Whole pads are just taken out by snails. Slugs wow. aren't to the snails and they'll eat, eat, eat through the prickly pear and fall out the other end. You're left with this sort of 50 <laughs> pence piece and you know for the rest of its life... That particular pad, which can last, obviously, for years, it will try and callous over, but you've usually got holes in it. I said it's a rare species with holes in it. And <laughs> it, it's just a nightmare, mollusks. Now, most people might be quite surprised. Perhaps you'd say scale, Tom, or you'd say a rogue deer. Or, but no, it, it, it's snails. And maybe don't expect that with a frittly pear, which is so well-armed, usually. And you're left with their spines in the morning and the whole pad split into two, and you're just... But stamping them and that pressure point on your foot—so satisfying.
0: Yeah, I've done that a few times, wearing slippers or indeed barefoot going outside, which is, is not. Yeah, I mean, I just—I no. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll wander from house to office, you know, for some particularly domestic reason, nothing to do with my plants. And then, two hours later, my husband will come out and go, "Dear, um, yeah, you, you're just going to get that stapler. You haven't reappeared, and it's me. Just you know, I'm, I'm repotting something by that slug time." Trail all over yeah, the house exactly, and exactly. All yeah, it it's, it happens all the time. Um, and I think with these problems that we get with with pests, I guess it it makes us. It's a journey we're on, isn't it? In a way, we. The more we learn about these pests, the more we learn about our plants. We've got to take the rough with the smooth, though, haven't we? Things go wrong. Plants don't always survive. I always like to say that, you know, killing a few plants is a journey is a journey of discovery towards understanding more. So we always try to be positive about plants dying for various reasons. Although I can imagine, yeah, the hatred for the snails is, is understandable. <laughs> um, now, I try as much as possible to buy from lovely independent nurseries like the ones we've got here today. But very occasionally, I do find myself... I have an incident. I was in Lidl the other day and, and I, was, I think I was buying cheap Prosecco and brioche burger buns or something. And, uh, you know, there was a plant that literally, well, not literally, but it called out to me across the store and it was just on its own on a shelf uh, and I literally ran towards it throwing old ladies and small children out of the way to get to it because i thought somebody's going to have it before me and um when i got to it i I thought yes it is i've got to have this plant it was the propeller plant uh, crassula falcata and it was just so perfect and i would generally tend not to buy plants in little but i just thought i've got to have that plant now i'd love to know from you guys what is it that you're looking for when you're choosing to add a new plant to your collection. Is it, like me, totally irrational, but just something gut? Or is there particular th- qualities that you're looking for in a, in a new plant?
2: Completely irrational. <laughs> window shopping, always. <laughs> yeah. Especially with cacti and succulents. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, I, I guess. And, but, but, Tom, have you got kind of a completist spirit? Do you need to have every cultivar in a particular species or genus? Or are you are you just...
1: Rational random behaviour, Jane. Yeah, Malvin. okay. But I have to say, I try now. I'm quite disciplined. <laughs> quite you go in with a bit of a list that'd be quite nice that'd be quite nice and you see to my left here and you just fall apart the list isn't on you anymore you've dropped it down somewhere and you're just getting things that you've never heard of and it's just you... the, but there is a gut thing with it I think there is something telling you that perhaps it's just whatever you just have to have it
0: and have you I don't know if you've had a chance to look at the show plants here today have you ever gone down that route and tried showing plants at a, a BCSS event or anywhere else I wouldn't be good enough I don't think think I'll be good
1: enough, not to the standard today. And as I say, a lot are in the ground, but the ones, the containers that we have got of things, I could give give it a go, but I'd be rubbish. What about you,
0: Anne? Is it ever.
2: When I was about eight, I used to. The local allotment society show, you know, we had to enter your three cacti, I used to do that all the time. And win. (laughs) Well, there you go. But the standard wasn't as high as this, obviously.
0: What do you think the BCSS can do to attract a new generation of people into into succulents and cacti obviously this event is part of that but is there more that we can do to excite younger people about these plants
2: i think they're excited they possibly just don't realize the society exists and also uh i don't know the depth of knowledge that's caught up in the society if you go you know if you actually go to one of the um big meetings the big sales or the shows or the the, where where speakers are coming from all over the world and you speak to people with thousands of plants in their collections and you realize to what extent they've traveled and looked at plants in their wild environments and gone back and compared you know whether they're still there and are they threatened the depth of knowledge is just amazing so you know you think you can start with a small collection on a windowsill and you might end up one day being a very very knowledgeable expert in cacti
0: Well, that is the hope. That is the hope. And I get a lot of questions on the show about cacti and succulents. And obviously on Gardener's Question Time, and I'm sure here at Lullingstone, you get asked lots of questions. What are the most common things that people ask about when it comes to cacti and succulents? Those kind of eternal questions or the the sad plant that turns up Mm. for you to look at. What do
2: you get asked? It seems to be the etiolated cacti. You know, the one that's not had enough light, it's, um, I don't know, it's just been kept in a very warm room all the way through its life. It might have been kept in an office, and so it's gone lanky, and it's grown on and on and on, and it's sort of toppling, and nobody knows what to do with it. That seems to come up time and time again, and it is almost always offices rather than houses where these are the problem. And really, all you can say is that, you know, you perhaps prune it down, make it make some new babies, and then put it somewhere on a cooler windowsill
0: yeah that does seem to be a very common question the most depressing of all i
2: find is when it's a
0: a picture of a cactus which is literally a pile of mush and the person's Mm. saying what can i do to save it and you're thinking Mm. nothing put it put it on the compost heap uh that is a depressing scenario and i guess this comes from i guess now that we can buy cacti succulents so widely um, they don't always come with good sets of information. I mean, I, somebody posted something o- online the other day. I think it was a supermarket label and it sort of said something like um, foliage... This was a cactus of some kind. Uh, foliage plant, uh, keep warm and uh, water daily. And you just thought, that's not going to go well. That's not going <laughs> to end nicely. I mean, what can we do to help people to get access more information about cacti- cactine succulents? Is there a whole is there a way that we can reach out to people is it is it social media
1: <laughs> by, by doing this joining do do yeah, a member this. of the BCSS and, yeah. Yeah. and joining in and getting stuck in as Anne said you just enter a world that you'll never leave mm. it, it's just I want a kid you see it's so much here the youngster on their mobile or whatever it is pl- playing the games around the garden the parents are into the plant they come in to see little cactus collection we've got at Langston let alone here today and they're entranced mm. and they buy one and that that, to me, is such a rewarding thing. I've never had a plant before in my life. There's something about a cactus. There's a real... Kids, however much they've got on their computer games now, whatever it is, the image, etc., the cactus still has that appeal to override it. And once they start, they're in, and they'll never look back. And I've seen kids come out year after year here with more and more collections, and you've seen them getting madder and madder.
2: And they'll still <laughs> have them 20 years and later. And they'll still remember, have now. them, he's yeah. He's 25, and he's still got cacti on his old bedroom window, which so we have to look after, that he still loves dearly. And, uh, you know, but he hasn't. He doesn't take them with him. He just leaves them behind, and we have to look after them. But there we are. And John, the other thing as well,
1: which Anne was mentioning a bit, a bit earlier, but was also you know, issues with cacti. What's the biggest thing? Something that hasn't worked out, they come and bring a cactus that's half, you know, dead or whatever it is. Oh, it said on the label, Rather than water too much, don't water at all, just leave it on the windowsill. They need more water than you might think, a lot of these plants, especially during the, the growing season. And people often come to me, actually, not so much with the overwatering, which can be the case so much with house plants, but just no water. We bought it a year ago, Tom, we haven't watered it yet, what should we do? <laughs> and there's this cactus that's never going to come back. So, water a bit more, you know, some, that's the biggest thing we get from that. Sat. But once you get them enthused, they're in there. Yeah,
2: but to get the cacti to show standard, that is what's important, isn't it? Getting, keep keeping them growing steadily yeah. so they don't have fits and bursts and get this sort of wastes around them and then they go again and they get a sort of a bulge and, and they get a little bit scorched and dry and they have a sort of a, a, a scar on them and they become... Slightly uglier, they've got a good character, but they were going to be ugly and, yeah. and sort of not, certainly not showable It's an them. art, it's it an art, it is, art is to an, get an, get an them art. It is yeah. Yeah, yeah. All
1: year round mm. attention, the image of a to just leave it. Oh, this is a very high standard. They'll stay alive, today,
2: but, but they won't look great.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and has some of your, you, you've travelled around the world, world looking at plants, uh, you're fairly famous for that, shall we say. Uh, you, you're known for, it. you're notorious for it, could we say. Has your experience of seeing cacti and succulents in the wild inspired you in the way you grow them in your own home, and just made you? Is that important? The fact that you can see what how these plants actually grow in their own environment critical,
1: absolutely critical. You can go on Google all you want, BCSs are fantastic. You can read all their journals and publications that you want and everything, but you can't beat seeing something in the wild to improve your husbandry back home. It. Uh, the soul it's growing in the aspect some cacti a lot of them burn in, in our sunlight I mean they, they're often under the shade of a shrub or subterranean, you think a cacti burning in the sun, almost doesn't make, make any sense but seeing them in the wild to improve your conditions back home it is so important Jane and that's what I've really drawn from travelling for example, as we're celebrating a lot of the Mexican plants today, going to Mexico oh, 20 years ago now to see them in the wild, whatever it might be Costa salvias and penstemons, whatever it is, all the plants there, seeing the wild, so, so important that your learning curve is absolutely huge, really important.
2: And have you had a chance to, to visit any places where you've seen cacti succulents in the wild? Not world? very much. I have been to Arizona and seen a few, but I was very young and didn't really know what I was looking at so much then. Um, and I have been to South Africa, but not the places where lots of succulents were growing, so I was sort of accompanying a tour. Uh, but I was. On the, on the train on the way here, I was just looking up uh, about Francis Masson, who obviously collected loads of succulents back in the 1700s. And talking about Latin, he, um, he, he wrote really well, actually, about, you can read it online, about how he felt about collecting plants you know, in, in, from the wild in South Africa. But then when he goes on to describe them, it's all in Latin all of it all of the description because that's what they did in those days Um, but yeah I I would love to follow in some of his footsteps he collected a lot of stapeliads didn't he and wrote a book about them yeah very interesting (coughs) excuse me (coughs) history I think history and geography are are two really good topics that come with the cacti aren't they and it's not just the plants themselves you get totally involved with where they've come from and who collected them and you know the stories and history surrounding them
0: and uh, last question for you guys before I throw it out to the audience: uh, Do you give cacti succulents names? Do, do, do any of your prize succulents specimens have a name? And are, I'm, I'm noticing this more and more that you know I'll get an email from somebody and they'll say, Jason. My Euphorbia Milii is suffering from Mealybug and I think, Jason, I don't, how did you choose that name? Uh, is this something that's no. happening in your
2: life or is this uh No, I, I did used to call all my handbags George, um, <laughs> but I have not called my houseplants anything, but I tend to just call them you. So you're doing really well. You're flowered! So I sort of pat them and talk to them and call them you, but See, I don't give them I don't talk to my houseplants, but I do talk
0: to yeah. the pests. When I see a pest, I'm like, you, li- I'm going to, I just can't believe Yeah, so I talk to the pests, not the plants. What about you, Tom? Any, any names?
1: Uh, not really. I think you've just got to go online. Or just the, some of the common names for cacti and cyclones are hilariously comical. And you can draw on the wealth of the names, the common names. for One plant can be called, same Latin name, but a hundred different common names. And choose the funniest, most applicable one to the, the shape of it or whatever. That's all I need to do. Yeah, you don't need a George or a Phil or a Bob because the common names are hilarious. <laughs>
0: awesome okay well I'm, i'd love to hear from the people in the audience if you've got any questions for tom and or myself uh then i would love to you put your hands up and we'll try to get you with the microphone Graham's anyone got a question lauren's put his hand up come on there must <laughs> be a question from somebody for, we've got the patrons of the bcss here let's have a question thank you let's just get the microphone over to you thank you um <clears throat>
2: I've just tried germinating cactus seeds first time ever, and I've sown them way too
1: densely, so they're about two millimeters across. But I've got hundreds of them,
2: and there's even at that size, there's no soil visible. Um, What am I going to do? I can't bear to kill them, Um, (laughs) but they're obviously in the thinning out.
0: But I'm worried about disturbing the roots of the the ones I leave behind. When did you sow them? In the spring? This spring? Um, No, about a month ago. Okay,
2: a- any suggestions? Well, yeah, because usually you would leave them about a year so they could put down more of a root before you disturb them. If you've got literally hundreds, I think I will thin them out. And um, how you feel about getting rid of the ones you're thinning, I'm not oh, sure. Oh, yeah. You might as well try potting them. Why not? Well, the, Nothing yeah, to yeah, lose. They die, yeah, you're going to have hundreds and hundreds of them. You yeah. could go into business. Yeah, does anyone want to buy any gymno <laughs> calluses? Yes, <laughs> so, yeah. Brilliant, thank you. <laughs> thank
0: okay, you. anything else? Any more questions? Things that you've been longing to ask Tom and Anne? I can't believe we've got no more questions from the audience. I'm very Everyone's disappointed. We're, I, it's I hot, it is hot in here. It's very, yeah. very hot in here. Well, I have got one last challenge, actually, which perhaps we can do. Uh, I'm just going to come off the stage. Maybe. Hang on. Uh, slight break. sure whether I was going to do this with Tom and Anne or with a member of the audience. Is anyone feeling brave and want to win themselves a bit of uh, on-the-ledge merchandise? Uh, I have a lovely drawstring bag and mouse mat for somebody who wants to have a go at this little challenge. Yes. Okay. Okay, good. Right. This. I, I'm not going to blindfold you because that would be a bit weird, but I'm just going to ask you to shut your eyes and I'm going to hand you a cactus or a succulent. I can guarantee that it's not spiny, it's not going to hurt you. But I want you to have a go at identifying it. Okay? So, okay. this is a little challenge. Members of, other members of the audience, you can give her clues if she's struggling, but give her a chance. Okay, so no, nothing. Okay. Hang on. This is the first one coming out now. Okay, you ready? Yes. You're putting it in your hands. Okay, I and can you can it just it. touch it. Yeah, it's not going to hurt you. So, Audience members, remain silent for the moment. She looks like she might know something here.
2: I know this one. I've... My neighbour's got one, but I don't know the name of it. Okay, any any clues? Anyone give a
0: clue? We have some clues. What about um well, epiphytic? It's an I, I really can't remember the name. I'm so
2: sorry. There is a common name. Okay. There's does anyone else? Can anyone else? It's a, it's a ca- it's called a cactus, isn't it? Anyone else? Uh, there's a common name. Um, um, a cactus. Yeah. There's a common name of this cactus. Um. um it's like in the ocean. Uh, when, <laughs> what's in the ocean? Oh, uh, got in the ocean. Okay. No. What's swimming in the ocean? Uh, fish,
0: yeah. What's a fish cactus? fishbone cactus? Fishbone cactus. cactus. Oh, well done, well done. So yes, epithelenum and gulager. Uh, that that was quite tricky. I don't know whether I started on a really hard one there. Okay, we're gonna have you. a couple more. <laughs> uh, That's
2: okay. What it's your eyes closed, Are your eyes
0: closed, okay. Here we go. Number two. It's slightly spiky, but it's not too bad. Okay, okay. Feel, you never thought you'd be doing this. Feeling up a succulent Icabria? in Marquis, it's a good guess, but it's not right.
2: Like no. no, it's a good no. guess, though. I'm Anyone gonna give can a I clue? give their hair clue?
0: <laughs> yeah, give a clue. You were looking at Icabria? these ones, no, you were looking at these yes. ones. Yes. Okay, yes, well done, well done. That's excellent. Okay, I'm gonna have one last go okay. before we go um Maybe I'll get. Maybe I'll get. Actually, I'm going to get. Oh, no, I'm going to give you a awesome. break now. You can open your eyes now. Well done. Oh, so and um, nice then you get your own bag of mouse back. Oh, thank you a couple yeah. right, yeah. now? Uh, okay. Right, close your eyes, panel.
2: Close your eyes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Tom's going to do this one. Okay. um There you go. Just yes. That's the label. That's not helpful. I'm not looking for a species. I'm looking for a genus. Okay.
1: Lava. Lavafora.
0: Close. Gasteria. Close. Haworthia. Yes. Oh yeah, that's a lovely one. That's my old friend said it. (laughs) That's from my own collection there. there Very nice. Admire that. This came all the way from the US. Somebody kindly sent this to me because I have such lovely listens. Okay, one for Anne now. Last one. Okay. Uh,
2: Are
0: you ready? I am eyes are closed. Okay, I don't know if this is going to be easy or not. I'm just going to show this to the audience before I... You know what it is? Don't shout out. Okay, Anne, you can have a little feel of this one.
2: (laughs) No, it does feel... uh, Like a... Aeonian? No? Okay. Okay. any clues from the audience here, how can Cotillidan? we help out? No. Uh,
0: South, African. South, African. <laughs> South African. South African, yeah. Okay. Uh, ooh.
2: It
0: is in a fancy pot. <laughs>
2: yeah, I can feel the fancy pot. That felt this really part, weird. This have been mentioned already. Uh, yeah, it's Cal and Coey. Is it Ka- Cal
0: and Coey? It's closed. Colin Walker saying you're close, Anne. Should we, uh, we try you out of your misery? Yeah, go on. Open your eyes, Anne. Oh. It's, it's my of I'm, I'm worried now it's I've anywhere. taken all the
2: bloom off its leaves. Don't worry,
0: do I do have a few stunt parts that I tend to bring to things like this, so I'm sure it will recover. Well, that just shows how much plant knowledge we've got in the room. Well, because that's a pretty hard challenge, guys. So well done. Thank you very much, everyone, for joining me. Have we got any more questions before I go? Um, otherwise, I'll say thank you so much to Anne and to Tom for joining me today. And thank you to you for listening. And please do go and listen to one of my 109 episodes of On The Ledge podcast. I'd love to have you as listeners. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Well, that ended as every episode of on the ledge podcast should descending slowly into barely concealed chaos thank you so much to tom hartdyke and anne swithin bank for being such good sports and to everyone who came along to clap and support the show live and to my sound person lisa hack for doing a great job on the mixing desk Check the show notes for your chance to test out your pronunciation of those tongue twister Latin names, more information about Lullingstone Castle, Tom and Anne. That's all for this week's show. I'll be back next Friday and I do hope you'll join me then. Bye. The music you heard in this week's episode was Roll Jordan Roll by The Joy Drops. And Water in the Creek by Josh Woodward with ad music by the Heftone Banjo Orchestra with Dill Pickles. All tracks are licensed under Creative Commons. See my show notes at JanePerone.com for details.